0: What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. I am with my guy who is looking more disheveled by the week, Matt Welty.
1: I think I look amazing,
0: to be honest. <laughs> and my man, Brendan Dunn. How you guys doing? I love the confidence. I feel all right. Yeah, he's confident, but man, the beard's getting longer, the hair's getting longer, but the smile is also getting wider. Yeah. <laughs> is it because you had an interesting week on the internet?
2: Listen. Every week for Matt Wealthy is an interesting week on the internet. This was
1: especially interesting, though. I think that this was a fun week, wasn't it? It was a fun week, a spicy
0: week. It was a spicy week. All jokes aside, like a very good week of reporting from your end. And you know, of course, we're talking about the Nike SB Seven Eleven dunk that has ended up being canceled. It was beginning of last week.
1: Uh, I know we had spoken about it and just kind of wrote why I thought the Seven Eleven dunk was. The wrong move for Nike SB. I know a lot of people in my mentions saying, Oh, you know, I used to get, we already talked about that. I used to skate in 7 Eleven parking lots, like whatever. So I get like a DM. Just from like a really random person, like has like 200 followers and they're like, oh, that shoe was canceled. Why are you even talking about it? It was a Japan only exclusive. Wow. Is that how Mm. it came about? That's how it came about. Oh, I didn't even know that. Someone I don't know kind of reached out to some people we do know. Sources close to the brand email us and say, hey, we don't think you have the whole story. We want to tell it to you and get the record straight. Okay. This is at like what? Like nine o'clock. This is after work hours. Okay. Brendan talks to him on the phone. Crank out the news story that the shoe was officially canceled. Um, and then, yeah, and then that kind of really went off.
0: What'd you do? A sneaker bomb? Like you were Woj? You did the bomb? <laughs> yeah. He the- took no, no, no.
2: He took the selfie beforehand. Yes. Like I'm ready to drop this bomb.
0: The every other night selfie, I call it. And then, so, and then-, so then he drops the story. People yeah. react to it, and then the fake news propaganda begins. <laughs> Oh, it was... We it have was a, to set the record straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. Was, though, it was funny. It was a
1: misplaced picture, but when I first saw it, it looked like Khaled was, like, typing at, like, a keyboard or whatever.
0: The narrative that was being constructed by... Kind of by you, but a lot of, I checked your mentions too, is that you canceled it. That you, Matt Welty from Jersey City. We have City. to set
2: the
1: record straight. Can't confirm or deny. There's no proof. Yes, But my is. story did drop first. No, the there isn't. It was never said. Mosh put it out into existence that Wealthy got the shoe canceled and it kind of went off from
2: Welty there. did not get the shoe <laughs> canceled. I respect yes. his gumption. And, then I made a and, joke. and I respect the take, but I don't want that narrative to go too far.
0: It was a great coincidence, yeah. which sometimes when you get lucky or it's a coincidence, it really is a result of good work in some way, shape or form. So there is something to say that like you wrote the piece, it wasn't a good idea. And then coincidentally, it got canceled, but done. I think that you kind of got like the real story behind it.
2: No, 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 no. It was a team effort. Okay, But Welty, do you worry at all? Because I know a lot of times we judge shoes before we know the full story, or we see a leak of a shoe and we make an opinion on that. And is it sometimes like writing a review for a movie just off the trailer? So like the 7-Eleven Dunk, I respected your opinion on it. You basically felt that it was corny and Nike SB didn't really have a good story going on with the shoe. But then when you broke the story the next week, the real story of the show, what was really happening. It turns out that 7-Eleven Dunk is a Nike SB Japan Olympics connection for the 2020 Olympics and 7-Eleven is owned by a Japanese corporation. 7-Eleven is a different experience out there. They have more stores in the world. Did you feel like your original opinion on this shoe sucking still held, even though there was what I feel was like a better story around the sneaker?
1: I think it was a better story, but I still hold my opinion that the shoe sucks. So. Okay,
2: okay, but does it give you any hesitation? Like, damn, we got to wait sometimes. Uh, no. <laughs> Be the change you want to see in the
1: sneaker world, right? <laughs> <laughs> Young God.
0: Yeah, wow. Okay, not backing off it. Not backing off it. It just seems like it was kind of like some sort of contract breakdowns between 7-Eleven and Nike. Is that in the realm of really what happened?
1: I suspect so. Okay. Yeah, I had heard, you know, just from sources that that it was licensed through Japan, so they don't know if something licensed through Japan can also be released in the States. A lot of the shops in the States, you know, with Nike SB kind of getting rekindled, would obviously want in on
2: that. Yeah, for a second there, it looked like the shoe was going to shift. And instead of being a Japan-only release, also release in the U.S. And then from there, it just got canceled altogether, as
0: you hopefully read in the story that Welty put up last mm. week. Welty, were people really thinking that you got to cancel though?
1: Yes. All the <laughs> mentions on the IG post, which went off. <laughs> How many of them did you correct? <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't correct any of them. You got to let your own legend grow sometimes, man. I want to say
2: one thing. <laughs> And This is not to take anything away from my colleague who I respect, as I've said already enough times. Matt Welty didn't get the shoe canceled. He didn't. But he knows that. I just don't think $2 billion corporations would work for 18 months to make a shoe happen and then one guy on the internet. No matter how famous he is, no matter how strong his opinions are. Would get that entire project pulled. Especially hey. someone
0: who looks like this in this state right now. Take a screen <laughs> grab it, right now. Look, I look amazing. Look at that. Joe. No, he's smiling, but he looks <laughs> the beard. Are you going to trim the beard at all?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I put on Twitter that I copped a Norelco razor. Oh, man. uh, We're going to be
0: sad to see it go. uh, No, I'm
1: just going to trim it down a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Which Norelco? I just picked up a new one. I don't know. uh, It has four different settings on it. But if you want to talk about real famous people, Joe LaPuma, fresh off his
0: back-to-back webby win. Thank you, guys. Picking up a trophy, another trophy for the trophy room. I love this one because it was the people's vote, and I got a lot of support from the fans like the community from where I'm from. And like I was getting DMS from kids from other countries and that really felt nice. And I love that this one was voted on by the fans. So it's always good when you get recognized and what's the category, Joe, best host, web personality.
1: You were up against stiff competition. Like the <laughs> can, can I make it Fart" uh, <laughs> YouTube
0: page. <laughs> 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 Don't sleep on the competition. Don't sleep on the competition. Two is not a winner at three, nobody remembers. Yeah, listen, instead of popping champagne, we're, it's business as usual over here and still trying to figure everything out and create new products and innovate. And on that note, another big drop the Soul Collector app, baby. We're talking about Wealthy's big week. We're yeah. talking
2: about Joe's fucking trophy on the mm-hmm. shelf. And I had nothing, but then I remembered big. The Soul Collector app is out now. We're really excited about it. It's a project that's kind of been in the works in a lot of different forms for for almost uh, around five years now at Complex. It's a price comparison tool. It has all the content you like from Soul Collector and Complex sneakers. Every episode of Full Size Run, every episode of Sneaker Shopping, all those shows. What's really cool is as you watch the shows, you can buy the shoes that are featured in the show so if you don't know too much about them you can find out more you can add that to your collection also any sneaker in our forty thousand shoe database that you want to buy you can see how much it costs on StockX, how much it costs on go how much it costs on flight club it's really a great tool for discovering sneakers for adding to your collection so
0: please go download that do not rate it anything less than five stars because that's a five star app yes please rate and use the app i was on it today i didn't cop anything yet but i'm going to i'm going to you guys cop anything yet no
1: I think me and uh, Brendan were having that talk the other day, like being home during quarantine kind of makes you realize like how much stuff you already have. And it makes like at least me personally has made me think twice about buying more sneakers while I'm home. Can't relate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As well, he's talking about having too much stuff. Joe very calmly, very coolly pulls out a pair of the chunky Dunky Ben and Jerry's Nike SB dunks to pose with for the camera here that he, of course, did not buy, that he, of course, did get for free straight from Nike ahead of the release
1: date. I really like these. Without the special packaging though, so.
0: Yeah, what's up, the ice cream? Well, I didn't get the ice cream, huh? <laughs> you poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> we texted about this, us three, and it's a shoe that yep. I probably wouldn't wear, but the lining's really well done. The details, it's one of those shoes that, like, is gonna go mass. I joked about it in our Slack, like, it's one of those shoes your aunt's gonna text you about, like, oh, do you see the Ben and Jerry sneakers? And it may be a little too loud for us, but it's a really cool looking shoe.
2: I saw Wealthy itching to get a takeoff there as you flaunt the SB Dunks.
0: You can't cancel this one. No, I'm not. It, it's not.
1: It, it, we said, joking, like you said, it, it's kind of the sneaker that people who work in like other departments that you've never spoken to before will randomly hit you up on slack being like hey how can i get those ben and jerry sneakers
2: i had one person today already ask me how they could get the ben and jerry sneakers i cannot help you
1: like looked like it was designed with the intentions of being on like the instagram like discover page like mm-hmm. with all the food porn and like loud bright shoes totally
0: it's ready for tiktok who's gonna eat the ice cream out of the shoe first <laughs>
1: I def- it has to be Kais, right? I would bet on him. He knows his way around a TikTok. wealthy, do you don't have some Bulgarian sheet milk gelato <laughs> on deck? <laughs> no. Isn't it kind of funny, though, that we've gone from, like, a point in sneaker culture where, like, five, six, seven, eight years ago, it was, like, super corny to, like, people eating, like, Oreos out of the Oreo Jordan 5s to at a point now, like, that Nike's creating the shoe that's, like, kind of just, like, ripe to, like, that's going to be the Instagram viral post for it. It's, like, kind of come full circle. He found the take. He did. He
0: did find it. <laughs> it's kind of PG as far as wealthy goes. We used to post that stuff all the time on Complex back in the day, Joe. I know, but the biggest reaction I've ever got from a sneaker that I just tweeted about, like a picture of, so you got fourteen
1: thousand likes on your tweet or something yeah, like that. It's crazy,
2: guys. How have your lives been in these past few days beyond sneakers? Have you been outside at all? Or how are we coping? I got the antibody test.
0: Oh. And I don't have the antibodies, so I'm, I'm, I'm still in solitary confinement. Wow. Yep, the doctor called today. Very easy process, though, if you want to get tested. Yeah, so I thought I had it maybe in February around the Tory Lane shoot. I was super, super sick. I was out of the office, and I got tested for the flu, and it came back negative. And I was like, oh, it must have been, you know, I was at the Super Bowl. I was at All-Star yeah. Weekend around that time. So, But nope. Did not have Corona, so I'm masked up, and I'm staying inside until further notice. Welty, how you been?
1: boys it's Saturday night. Um, my superintendent, who lives downstairs, who did finally fix the you know the smoke alarm for me. Um, he has a basement in our building where he like built out like a like a man cave with a pool table and like a TV and all that sort of stuff. So. I don't know if that counts as breaking quarantine, but we went and played pool and watched the UFC fights in the basement, which it doesn't seem like a lot, but it it felt like, oh, I did something for the first time, like in a long time. And it felt good just to kind of like, it was just me and one other person. So it wasn't really like
2: risky. I'm actually glad you addressed this because I saw you post that photo on your IG stories of you at a pool table. And I was like, I
0: thought that was an old one. I need this guy to stay safe.
1: We were practicing kind of, you know, safe social distancing, but it just felt good for once to finally, even something as small, small as that, felt good to actually do. I know it, man. I was out in the backyard. We had a couple sunny
2: days. We had a barbecue only with the people I've been quarantining with. Don't worry. We had some veggie burgers, some gluten-free buns, but also plenty of legit meat. Don't worry, wealthy. I saw that. Lots of flavorful dishes. It looked really
0: good. I saw some cheeseburgers on there. It was a treat. Although the grill looked like you were in a camping ground. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No clean and burn and propane on this
0: side. Okay, what grill was it? Was it like an old school one, though? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not that fancy. Okay. <laughs> the burgers tasted <laughs> all right. All right, so let's get to it. There's not a better time to have our guest on the podcast today. He owns Trophy Room Store, which he opened in 2016, a sneaker boutique that not only produces some of the most sought-after Air Jordan collaborations, but also serves as a shrine to his family's achievement. He's also the son of the goat, the most talked-about man in sneakers and sports today tomorrow and yesterday please welcome to the podcast the youngest son of michael jordan our good friend marcus jordan What's going on, man! that was
3: a very warm welcome it's all true how you feeling man i'm good man i'm good obviously just kind of battling through uh this unique time that we're all living in but uh everything is
0: good definitely and you've been in orlando what have you been doing it like keep busy and other than watching the last dance and, and kind of hawking through twitter and who i want to respond to Uh, i bet bet that's tough you have to pick and choose who you want to respond to depending on the messages you're getting
3: exactly you know some people are just looking to troll and other people are trying to have serious debates so it's a balancing act but uh other than that man i've just been you know working on trophy room you know we were in the middle of kind of getting our next door open and you know obviously all of that is kind of on pause with the uncertainty around the uh, virus but uh we're we're cooking online and we've got a bunch of great releases coming for our online consumers and then. We're looking at different ways that we can kind of interact with them through this time. Uh, you know, as you guys know, we were kind of working on this breakfast club that uh, we wanted to kind of engage with the community with. And so we're looking at different ways that we can kind of do that virtually or uh, just kind of in the
1: interim until we get this new space open. Florida's open from the quarantine?
3: Yeah, so Florida, we're, we're opening up phase by phase. I believe this week uh, the gyms are starting to open back up. I want to say we're retailing and, and restaurants are around 50% capacity, so... It's uh it's opening up. I'm gonna be watching from my house and just yeah. kind of monitoring how things are going. But uh, we uh, we're definitely open for business. That's for sure.
2: Do you have an idea when Trophy Room as a physical store will be coming back?
3: Um yeah. So you know all that's kind of up in the air right now. We're kind of estimating holiday 20, maybe potentially spring 21. Uh, just kind of mm-hmm. giving giving kind of some room. I've stopped putting hard dates out there just because everything has kind of been just getting pushed week after week after week, and so kind of getting tired of the letdown of uh. You know, not hitting the mark, and so I've I said, "Look, you know, we're not going to put a hard date." I've started to work on my hard date for my next retro, so I have a hard date around that. Uh, we'll see if the dates uh, coincide, but uh, you know, my goal was to get the store up and running asap.
0: You've done a lot of press, obviously, in the past few weeks, but not super sneaker centric can you give us a little hint of what the next retro <laughs> what what we know you cook up special projects oh man any hints that you could give the listeners
3: Man, i can't give anything away it's still too early right now but uh okay. it's uh it's very very in story mm-hmm. it's something that jordan brand hasn't told it's something that i feel like only trophy room can tell okay uh and there's a lot of details in this one man it's a lot it's a lot so I, that's all I can say. I can't all give right. up too much. If I start talking about years and, and other stuff, just just hold up, hold
2: together. up a number, and we won't say anything. <laughs> they can't see this. They can only hear us. He held up two hands. It was his two
3: full
1: hands. <laughs> no, no, that's not a ten. That's okay. not a ten. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> How good does it feel not to be messing with uh, Disney anymore?
3: <laughs> oh man, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it that way. There definitely were some challenges uh, operating there as kind of you know a mom and pop. And they are, uh, you know, definitely a corporate business model. And so, you know, I understand it. I think they're back open, Disney Springs is, even though that the theme parks aren't. And so, you know, I wish them well, but I'm also glad I'm, I'm not on property there. Because <laughs>
2: basically the original trophy room was part of Disney's parks there. And so it was a little bit harder to operate.
3: Yeah, there was just a different structure compared to how we kind of operate. It was great while it lasted. I'm happy for the opportunity to kind of launch the brand there. Uh, I think we had a great run, but uh, we're glad. We, we think we're setting up shop in the right spot now.
2: And Marcus, you mentioned that you've been watching The Last Dance. Everybody around the world has been watching The Last Dance, ESPN's series about Michael Jordan, your mm-hmm. father. Are you suggesting here that you didn't see it all already months ago?
3: <laughs> so I saw a lot of it. Months ago, I would say I saw one through eight. And then over the past, maybe three or four weeks ago, I saw up to episode nine. And so I had seen okay. most of it. But obviously, I'm sure you guys know that there were some leaks that happened, and uh, they wanted to keep episodes nine and ten really close to the vest. And so, I hadn't seen ten; I didn't know how you know our interview was going to be used or anything like that. So I watched ten live with everybody. That's why I wasn't I wasn't as active on my Twitter on Sunday because I was kind of taking it
0: in with everybody else. What's well, like the Jordan family group chat as it's happening? Is there any? Are you guys <laughs> the phones down during the episodes or what? You know, when the first episode launched,
3: uh, we all got together, you know, as Steve Portnoy, Curtis Polk, my dad, you know, at literally both sides of our family. And we just had like a toast to signify the launch of the documentary and just kind of it finally coming to fruition. And then since then, it's just kind of been, you know, through group chat and text, you know, my siblings, Jeff Jazz and myself, you know, we have a group chat going with my dad. We've got a group chat going with my mom. we got group chats between ourselves. So it's just like constant dialogue back and forth and depending on which group chat you're in, you're getting different variations of, of, of the commentary. That's for sure.
1: Totally. Were there any stories that, you know, kind of got told behind the scenes in the group chat that you hadn't heard before that like kind of let you onto something new? Um, no nothing you know me i'm a student of my dad's legacy so like i kind of know everything and
3: and honestly that's one of the things i'm really excited about with our next retro is like it's something that wasn't covered in the last dance and i feel like you know anywhere we can kind of tell stories that haven't been told or kind of are unique for for us exclusive for us i think that's something special so you know i would say then leading up to my newest collaboration there were some conversations with my dad that I got some gems and and hopefully you guys you'll see it come to fruition in this next pair. I'm gonna
2: put together the pieces here. Okay. You say the story wasn't told in the last dance, and you held up the ten and Jordan was retired. (laughs) Look
3: at this narrative. The ten. So
1: no buzzer sound. Let me stop you right there. Let
3: me stop you right there. Anybody
2: listening, that's that's just pure (laughs) speculation. Marcus Jordan is in no way confirming the ten that's all a joke. So don't don't (laughs) run with that headline. That's a joke.
3: I can confirm that it's actually not a retro 10. How
0: about that? Okay, there we go. Okay, we're getting closer. Yeah, exactly. We're getting closer. (laughs) Uh, I will say that. I will say that. Marcus, for me, (laughs) I mentioned this on the podcast a couple weeks ago. You know, I've been doing sneakers for almost like 20 years. Watching this doc has like re-inspired me in terms of like sneaker culture. I brought up the white and red 13s. Never even owned a pair. People know that I don't really wear predominantly white sneakers. Watching your dad wear them on court, he made them look... So cool. There's no one who has ever made their own sneakers look that cool. Are you re-inspired, even though you're so close to it, to bring out classic models while watching that or in these weeks that we've been seeing the stock?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, for me, anytime that I can kind of curate my sneaker collection around something that's, you know, currently happening, it's, it's kind of easy for me because I've got so many sneakers and, and as you guys know, it's kind of hard to kind of keep stuff in rotation as you're constantly getting new stuff right and so you know with me i think this last week was you know leading up to the last dance the final episode the uh the last shot and so just this week alone i kind of took all the 14s and just wanted to rock them took them back out of my uh my archives and so it's fun to kind of do things like that other than that i've been really rocking the fives lately man just a lot like i haven't put on my off-white fives yet they're actually over here but i've been just going in the archives and just digging out fives and so anytime you get a chance to kind of go into the collection it's always a a plus
2: are you actually dressing up to watch the episodes
3: yeah so i saw people wearing jerseys and all the different stuff i didn't take it that far i didn't put my dad's (laughs) warm-up on or anything like that but like i I was wearing different authentic shorts you know mitchell and Ness shorts from throughout those years and i think even yesterday i had on the bulls jazz just Don shorts and so you know i've
1: been kind of representing that way and wearing vintage 90s t-shirts I've been participating that way. What's the rarest thing that you have from your dad in your personal collection, like any game-worn shoes? Because we saw, you know, the Air Jordan 1s signed by him, went for $560,000. Like, do you have any stuff like yeah. that just sitting in your closet?
3: Well, yeah. So at Trophy Room, you know, we had the Chicago Off-White that Virgil gifted to my dad. I was at my dad's house, and I was like, Dad, come on, you got to have something. that I, I'm spicing up the store. You know, I want to put something on display. And you got to have something. So he was going through you know, different PEs and different OGs that he has. And he came across the Chicago off and he was like, uh, yeah, I just got these and blah, 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 blah. And he, you know, he knew what they were, but he didn't really know. So it's all like that. I need those. I'm putting those in the store, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, all right, you want them? You can take them. And he didn't even really know what he was giving me. And so, you know, everybody that got a chance to come through our old store, they definitely saw those. Other than that, you know, we've got a pair of, uh, 1.5s that are OGs that are literally from 1984 that was in the store literally crumbling, the box has GB on it instead of the UK for Great Britain. You know, honestly, this week I was, you know, my mom just moved from her place in Chicago to be closer to my nephew. My sister had a baby. And so um, she sent a box of basketballs to me. And she was like, Marcus, I came across this box of basketballs while you you were playing in high school. I wanted to send them to you. So I was in the warehouse the other day, and I'm looking for something. I was actually there grabbing some 14s because I knew I wanted to wear them. And uh, I saw the box of basketballs, and I'm looking through it, and all of a sudden I see a signature and I'm like, "Is that say Larry Bird?
0: Wow! And
3: lo and behold, it's Larry Bird's signature on this box of basketball. I open the box and I pull out the ball. The first ball that I pull out is literally, it's got the Basketball Tournament of America stamp on it, 1992. It's a ball signed by every player on the Dream Team. Clyde oh, Drexler, wow. Magic Johnson, my dad, obviously. Um, Patrick Ewing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I called my mom. I said, Mom, I don't know if you meant to send me these because these are not basketball <laughs> signed by my high school. This is the dream team. And so I literally saw that ball. I put it back in the box. And I'm like, hold on, wait. I got to be in the right state of mind because there's about eight to 10 other basketballs in there. And I want to definitely figure out what those balls are, who, where they're from, the years, the teams, et cetera, before I give them back to my dad. I, I think that would be a, a good surprise for him. Uh, what do you get the guy that has everything? I'm sure he'd definitely love to have that
0: basketball back. What about like all the old jackets and stuff, like the bull stuff? Any of that still lying around? That stuff, even when they would capture him walking from the plane to the arena or out of his car to the arena, all those fits were fire. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, obviously, like you're talking like the Jeff Hamilton varsity jackets and all
3: that stuff. So my dad, he still has a lot of that stuff. He's got, you know, go through his house. He's got a a nice shrine of a lot of framed authentic jerseys. I think he's even got a pair of OG game worn sixes from the finals in 91. And it says for my sons Jeffrey and Marcus, 1991 championship. That's signed there. And so I think I, I don't even know how it's in his cigar room. And I was just casually looking at the shoes in there one day. And I was like, hold on, does that say, does that my name on it? And all that. And so it was, it was just
1: crazy. Speaking of like before and after game stuff, um, one of the things that kind of went viral was your dad's security guard, John Michael Wozniak actually got the chance yeah. to interview him in 2016. Thanks to Jeff, you know, he, he had set that up, you know, he kind of went around the internet as kind of like a character during the last dance. Do you have any memories of being around him? Oh, hell yeah. John Michael
3: was my road dog, man. Uh, you know, I literally grew up around John Michael. So all the times when my dad would be out of the house, we had a security room where all the cameras around the house, you know, you would just, he would kind of, John Michael would just sit there with, if it wasn't like our dog or, or whatever, he would just be hanging out there. And so oftentimes as kids, we would go and play cards with them. Uh, John Michael would bring his sons over, uh, Rocky and Nicky. And sometimes we would play two on two, Jeff and I versus them. And so, uh, yeah, man, it was, I was actually in Paris when he passed away and I was, I was, just devastated i had a chance to hang out with him uh, about a year ago actually when we shot the promo for the five uh, i went back home to chicago and so uh you know that week was tough i think he passed on that saturday and then kobe Bryant ended up passing that next week and so that was a tough week for our family but i'm happy to see john michael kind of get that recognition that i would you know i just wish he was here to see it because you know he definitely stole the show that's for sure
2: was it ever scary being Michael Jordan's son? I mean, you mentioned having security guards around all the time. Was there ever any moments where you were like, "Oh shit, this is dicey. I need these guys." You know?
3: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't call it scary, but you're definitely on high alert at all times. You know, when maybe friends around you aren't necessarily on high alert. You know, specifically at like AAU tournaments because we were traveling a lot for AAU, and and that's where we really had to bulk up our security and like. You know, me and Jeff had code names and one of our security guards was sitting on the bench. The other one was kind of in the crowd, just kind of making sure things were okay. They would go ahead of time before we landed in any city, kind of scope different routes to the gyms that we were going to. It was something that we had to be aware of growing up. But I wouldn't say, you know, we ever moved around scared. I think if anything,
1: we were a little more confident because we had some people that had our back. Definitely. There was that one part in the last episode where you kind of said, you know, you weren't at the 1998 finals. Was that like a common occurrence where you couldn't go to the games a lot just because of situations like that? Well, no, we made my mom made sure we went to, you know, several road games that were kind of closer. You know, she just really kind of wanted to keep
3: us away from those hostile environments. And obviously you guys kind of saw through the documentary how hostile the crowd was in Utah. And so, you know, we would get together, my mom's side of the family and kind of watch those games in the theater. You know, all of the home games, we were there going in the suite. I don't know if you guys saw in episode eight when I was holding up that sign for Father's Day. And so We would always hang in the suite and, you know, kind of walk those tunnels. I remember as a kid, just those white and red tunnels, the United Center. And so to see that stuff kind of on the documentary just brought back memory.
2: And were you going around the world, too, on these trips? Like, do you remember being in Paris? Do you remember being in Barcelona?
3: Yeah. So with Paris, Jeff actually flew with the team. And my mom and I, we flew on the Concorde. And so it was like one of the very few, you know, memories that I have of like traveling out of the country. I, was, I mean, we went to the Bahamas a lot as kids too. And I remember standing in that bridge suite in Atlanta. But with regards to Paris, yeah, I was just super excited to fly on the Concorde and I'll never forget how fast it was. And then once we finally touched down, kind of connected with my dad, I, I remember as a kid, like it was raining 24 seven when we were there. So I just thought it was like, you know, I didn't really appreciate the trip. And so to finally go back as an adult and, uh, you know, run those same streets, You know, now I can finally appreciate it.
0: Episode five heavily deals with kind of MJ as the brand and a lot of sneaker talk. Did he ever share stories with you about the negotiations and things like that? Because I'm sure that you dealing with different product orders and negotiating with people. Has he ever shared any like stories about that time with you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's something that as Jeff and I get older, you know, we're constantly picking his brain about how the business got to where it is today. You know, I don't want to I don't want to divulge too much information just because obviously some of those conversations are confidential. But, um, yeah, we've talked about, you know, him signing in 84, the development of like Nike basketball, Air Force basketball, um, you know, him kind of, you know, assuming a bigger portion of that, you know, a lot of times play uh, the what if scenarios on like if he was to buy Jordan brand way of back in the day, or, you know, obviously, the, the, I think the contract is coming up for renegotiation sometime soon here over the next three to five years or something. And so, you know, Jeff and I are definitely in his ear. But oftentimes, he's sitting us down and saying, look, you got to understand where we are today versus where we came from. And we're looking at it from a different perspective of how can we get this thing to be bigger and better and blah, 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 blah. blah. But obviously, you got to recognize how big it is already and, and what's gone into making it as iconic as the brand
1: is today. How would you have felt if your dad had signed to Adidas? I know, t- I know there's a lot of talk going around about that. I think that's a trick question.
3: <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I think obviously, you know, he said it himself as a kid, wanted to sign with Adidas. It was what he was, wearing. he was wearing. I think he was wearing Converse as well. You just never know. You know, I think in hindsight, I think I would obviously have strong ties to Adidas if my dad signed there, but uh, that wasn't the case. So I'm happy where I'm at. You know, Nike boys, Nike gang in the house.
2: I think Wealthy's saying that he wishes your father signed with Adidas.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that he true. does. MJ wasn't going to be in any specials, though, my man. Hey, they should have they matched the deal. If they would have gave him his own shoe, you never know. The three was something that really stuck out to him when Tinker showed him that. Did he ever tell you that story? Because even on sneaker shopping, I bring it up that tinker showed him the jordan 3 in a parking lot and he was like blown away by it
3: how true is that i haven't specifically talked to him about that i mean we've had several conversations just about like you know what the process was like in creating a sneaker with tinker you know but as i've kind of picked his brain on Mm -hmm. what you know i don't want i don't i don't want to say what we're allowed to collaborate on but uh you know when it comes to trophy room it's like you know, I obviously want to work with every model that I can. And, you know, there are lines that I got to operate within. And so, you know, even in talking to him, sometimes he says, you know, the three or the 11 are off limits. And so with you even bringing up the three, you know, I know that that's something that's very close to his heart. And, and that goes along with the 11. And then obviously the one, just because he's constantly wearing those ones. And so, you know, I'd love to get that story. And maybe that's something that, you know, trophy room can tell one of these days.
2: Do you remember when the 11 first came out?
3: Me? No, nah, man, I was so little. Uh, I was born in 90, so that that would have been 96, man. I, you know, I wasn't lining up for sneaker launches back then. Yeah. I just
2: think it's an interesting period because Space Jam was happening too. I, yeah. I know you weren't in the movie. Were you around the movie when it was happening?
3: Yeah, so we were on set all the time. And so it was crazy as a kid to kind of really understand that these cartoon characters weren't real cartoon characters. You know, you're looking at people in green spandex and, and a big green screen. And so, you know, that was a shock as a kid, but, you know, it was fun on set just because, you know, you're getting to see all the different, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. And then obviously my dad had the had the Jordan Dome there. So, you know, as kids, whenever we would visit, you know, we were making sure that we got shots up and just kind of messing around with, with the crew and stuff. So. It was fun. I, you know, I obviously wanted to be in it, but my mom wanted to keep us a little more low profile.
1: There's a lot of talk too around, you know, Team Jordans within the Last Dance. You know, BJ Armstrong played against your dad in the Jumpman Pros. I think yeah. in the last episode, your dad's wearing. I think he says it's the Jumpman Boss, and he's like, "Hey, take the camera off my shoes. Don't show it to him." Like, right. w- what's what's your feeling? Always been around Team Jordans. I know that it's always like a touchy subject when it comes to Jordan collectors, or do you, you view them differently as part of your your dad's legacy or? It depends on who's looking
3: at it you know i grew up playing basketball like you know 24 7 and and ingrained in the basketball culture and so i think team jordans have a different connotation if you play a team sport or if you're on a basketball team versus you know if you're just a collector of retros or or trying to chase around with hype. you know what i'm saying so team jordans for me i've played in several team jordan models and i've got a couple pe team jordan models too that i just think you know when you're hooping in them they're handling their business so I look at it at as different. Obviously, I'm, I don't wear a lot of team Jordans with jeans. Like I'm not wearing them to the club or anything. But uh, you know, I, I definitely have rocked in some team Jordans, and I think some of the models I have been, you know, some of the best performance models to date. What are you wearing to the club? I'm wearing trophy room fives lately, man. But I ain't been in no clubs. Spilling Saint Coro all yeah, over the suede. Yeah. Man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: With that resale hey, you know value, know you're wearing Trophy Room 5s to the club. Must be nice. Wear your
3: kicks, man. Wear your kicks.
0: How many pairs of them do you have?
3: Personally? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I know I have at least like two boxes, of 14 and 15. So that's like 12 pairs. I mean, at, le- at least. There you go.
0: I have to thank you. You laced me. I appreciate it. You know, I thanked you once. Of course,
3: I see that. Joe pulling out his pair on camera. (laughs) (laughs) If I was to take you guys upstairs, I've got like three pairs that are just uh, different laces. Because like, instead of lacing them, I just like, I'd rather just put the sail laces and the blue laces and the orange laces and just, you know, grab those kicks. Such a good shoe. Another Tinker Hatfield model. Do you
2: have a relationship with Tinker at all?
3: I'm cordial with Tinker. It's not like we talk all the time, but uh, you know, whenever I see him, I make sure I say hello to him. I've seen him at my dad's house several times. just me going there to uh, meet on trophy room stuff. And then they'll be there maybe pitching. I think at the time it was like the 30 or the 31 or something like that. And so, you know, it's an honor to kind of be in those rooms where they're pitching to my dad, and I'm kind of a fly on the wall. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know, I think Mark Smith also kind of it has been a close friend of mine. And just with the trophy room stuff, he helped design our logo. He's uh, he he did. A, I don't know if you guys saw like the wood column that was in our in our old space, but it had a whole bunch of my dad's like DNA and retro DNA that kind of spoke and told us. Uh, we call it the Treehouse Jordan or the Tree of Jordan. And so it just had all these different moments uh, that that spoke to my dad's legacy. And so Smitty and, and Tinker, they definitely kind of are inspiration for us and kind of what we do and, and, and look to recreate the, kind of the stories that we
1: tell with Troxel. What's been the most challenging thing for you for running a sneaker store?
3: Uh, I would say for me right now, it's definitely, the you know, operating in this virus uncertainty. You know, uh, right now there's like, just a lot of unknown in terms of what the consumer mindset is going to be in terms of, uh, you know, going back to stores and how that impact releases and launches, you know, at us at trophy room, we like to do first come first serve whenever we can. And, you know, I don't know how that model is going to work right now with, you know, with the virus and not being able to queue, uh, over X amount of people. So, um, I think that's probably the toughest. This is definitely the toughest time. And then, you know, we had some challenges, uh, at our first location, just, in terms of, you know, trying to grow at a rate we wanted to, I don't think we could have given the model we had there. And so I'm happy and excited to kind of get a chance to reset. And, you know, I think with the strategy that we're looking to implement with the new space, plus the introduction of a lot of these new streetwear vendors, and and obviously the breakfast club, I'm excited to kind of, once all of this settles down, get our feet back on the ground and, and start interacting with the community.
2: Once you drop these Jordan
3: 10s, (laughs) <laughs> not the tens man yeah. i guess it's, it's, single, it's a single digit how about that single digit yeah. we're getting closer You're getting more okay. that's all i can getting say getting i'm warmer. done i'm we're done. getting warmer
2: we're getting closer marcus do you still get excited over sneakers particularly i think it's so cool being a retailer because you know what's happening 18 months in advance or a year yeah. in advance when you were young was that a thing where you knew what the next jordans were going to look like or, or is it something more recently where you realized you had this
3: kind of secret knowledge Um, no, I've always been seeing Jordans like a year, a year and a half out. And so that's why I think the segue to business was so easy for me, because it's just like I I understand the cadence. I understand how small the Jordan brand is in the Nike world. And so, you know, a lot of times people, you know, I was speaking to Quavo actually at All Star Weekend and and they were talking about how they want to come to the brand and, and all this stuff. And I was just telling them like, Look, it's it's a tight knit group over there. People think, you know, you can just get all these PEs and I can get one through 35 in every single colorway and it's you know they're running a business over there so early on I, when I was a 13 back like my freshman year in high school I was in my dad's closet taking everything and nowadays I'm I'm 14 15 so I, I've outgrown him but you know those guys over at Nike at, at the campus they invite me out every now and then and, and we go out and, and they'll show me like a run of the models of what the retros are for like a year or a year and a half now in advance and so that's how trophy room figures out what model we're going to work with. That way we don't kind of interrupt their business model either.
1: When you were a kid growing up though, like how early did you get the Jordans before they came out? Like, were you wearing them to high school and everyone was like checking your feet? Like, what the fuck? How do you have
0: those?
1: <laughs> yes, for sure. I think, you know, even now
3: we're on an elite pack cadence. And so it's, it's typically like, you know, a month, maybe two months in advance of a month's worth of releases that you're getting the elite pack. And so, you know, I try to, I try not to, you know, overextend my welcome, uh, but there have been times where I've had to reach out and, and make sure I got to double up in something or, or I got something because uh, I had to do something. That's <laughs> for sure.
0: What's been your favorite Jordan that has come out recently?
3: You know, honestly, somebody asked me the question the other day and was like, you know, is there has there been a collaboration or something that you like really excited for or that got you like overly excited? And so I think for me right now would be the Dior collab. You know, I you know it keeps getting pushed back. And uh, you know, I still have yet to have my pair and I've seen a lot of pairs out there, you know. And so I've been I've been just letting people wow. know. Honestly, I've been keeping my dad in the loop. I was texting my dad, I said, you know, Kylie got her pair or uh who was it on the <laughs> red carpet, um, um <laughs> what's my guy from Twilight? Ro- uh, Ro- uh, Robert Robert Pat yeah, I was Pattinson. like, yo, Robert, Pattinson, Robert Pattinson, Pattinson got his pair. I was like I was in everybody's ear in that day. So <laughs> just, so they're on, they're on notice. They're on notice, that's for sure.
1: But it's no pressure. I'm sure I'm gonna get it. I'm sure I'm gonna get it. Awesome. There's always been the story of, you know, your dad having to check off and okay everything, you know, like he had to check off on Virgil's shoes, like before they came out. So he has, I'm assuming he has to check off on your shoes before they come out. What's it like showing your dad your collaboration and then getting his opinion saying whether it can drop or not? Has he told you no? He couples up the paper
0: and throws it away. <laughs> well, Macklemore told me that MJ doesn't like green, so I'm sure that he he you know, he critiques stuff.
3: Yeah, so he uh he has told me no, but it's not like a no is not good. It's no, maybe it's too soon or the story, you know, again, 3 and 11 are kind of off limits right now, so I, you know, those I've had some stories around those two models that, you know, they're on back burner right now, but hopefully one day they'll come out. Um, but no, man, you know, for us, it's different because I try to collaborate with authentic stories that tie back to his legacy in some way or another. And I feel like oftentimes today, you know, most collaborations with Jordan Brand, they're not necessarily connecting back to his stories and his life, you know. And so I think when I think it's refreshing for him, you know, when he sees some of these stories that I pitch to him. And, and again, it's kind of curating more information around a story you might have heard but from a different perspective and I think you know he appreciates that so again I keep going back to this shoe because I think it's more impactful than than our last model but this shoe was a battle for me to get approved and you know my dad was one of the people that actually went to bat for me to say yeah, I know what what we've done in the past, but, you know, we might need to make an exception here.
2: Michael Jordan going to bat doesn't always work out,
0: though, right? <laughs> oh. Hey, they <laughs> yeah. he did this time. We got a home run on our hands this time. That's there we go. All right. What was your favorite part of the doc? We all have our favorite parts.
3: <laughs> I had several favorite parts, obviously. I mean, you know, my I guess my most favorite part was, you know, just kind of the portrait that they painted of my grandfather. You know, my middle name is James, and so I was somewhat named after him, and so you know, I was glad to kind of just see that they portrayed the tightness of that relationship in a eloquent way. But, uh, other than that, you know, and not to shift gears, but I think it was, you know, the the behind the scenes in the, of the shit talking that my dad did, you know, how he he really yep. left, left the, kept the pressure on Scott Burrell. You know, he didn't really let up on Jerry Krause, <laughs> you know, even, I think, he, you know, there's a quote there when my dad was like, that's nine bitch, you know? So he was, he was <laughs> let he was letting it go. So yep. I think that was, you know, that was, uh, my highlight is just to kind of see him, you know, and let the world kind of see, you know, see behind the curtain on how he really is, because you know I've been seeing it for, for 29 years, and I think it's uh, something that not a lot of people get to see too often.
1: Because I think there was that, you know, one of the first memes that started going around was like, "Oh shit, Mr. Swackhammer looks like Jerry Krause." Was like that something that you was that something that you always knew growing up? Or? <laughs> I, I cannot <laughs> confirm nor can
3: I deny that rumor.
1: You know, I got I got that question asked to me. And
3: you know, I don't know. I, I I admit that there there seems to be some similarities there. I you know, I have to ask my dad about it one day.
2: <laughs> Jeez, rest in peace Jerry Cross. You mentioned earlier this kind of going back and forth of people on Twitter who are throwing out theories like that or throwing out other stuff. Sure. How much time do you have to entertain or what's the weirdest stuff you've seen where people are trying to make up narratives that aren't necessarily there?
3: Um yeah, I think, you know, I honestly it's like a crapshoot just a random scroll through Twitter, you know, it's always you know, things that you see and sometimes just something catches your eye and other things don't, you know, so it depends on my mood on the day. I wouldn't say that there's really like a, a strategy that I have behind it. But, you know, I don't know. I think um, I try to keep it somewhat clean. And but if somebody steps out of line then you know, I, I, I can step out of line too.
2: <laughs> Wealthy has the same approach on Twitter.
3: When the
1: Sincoro's in the system.
3: Yeah,
2: exactly. no telling. that, (laughs) That is
1: true, too. That is true,
3: too.
2: The thing you were talking about earlier with collaborations, it makes so much sense to me, too, because Jordan Brand, I think they really try and send this message about being a family. And I think there are a lot of people who are very close to it. But in terms of being literal, actual family, Trophy Room is kind of the only collaborator who can tell that story of being so close in a literal way. You know what I mean? To this idea of family
3: yeah and like i said you know there's some uh there's a lot of stories that i intend to kind of cook up with trophy room but i think we're we're finally breaking the mold you know and i had to to tie the similarities back to my dad you know we endured as well with the 23s and the 17s and the 16s you know we didn't come out the gate just launching you know fives or or fours or whatever the case may be and so uh I think the 23. I love those 23s. I love it. The right I love the 23 too. It's I, that, you know, the one we did is my favorite model after the, the all-star one that they did with the, with the signature. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, you know, we're finally getting to touch some of the retro models that, you know, obviously have iconic histories and uh, it's the challenge for us is how can we look to kind of create new, but pay homage to the old and keep it authentic. So, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't give anything away, but you guys to see, we'll be talking about, closer. we'll be talking about it soon. <laughs> Definitely.
2: You mentioned too, just Jordan brand being smaller within the Nike umbrella. How much harder does that make things?
3: For me, it doesn't make things that hard because I've, you know, I get it and I get it be- through experience just because, you know, I, I came out the gate shooting for the stars and I've been kind of brought back down to earth just because, you know, things are, certain things can't be done given the calendar and, and the time the lead times that it takes to bring things to fruition and so you know we're actually working on a, on a long-term trophy room plan that i'm excited about um that's going to be able to cook up more collaborative products uh, apparel included so it's something that is a challenge that jordan brand is, is constantly you know battling because look everybody wants to collaborate with the brand right and so who does the brand choose to then collaborate with that doesn't dilute you know their brand as a whole so they're figuring it out and they're, they're constantly working on it. I think, you know, right now for them, you know, their focus is on Jordan women and I think they're mm-hmm. doing a good job. I think at the end of this virus cycle, you know, there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for the brand. That's for sure. Does that side of the business
2: entice you at all? Could you ever see yourself working for Jordan brand?
3: Uh, I could, I, I definitely could see that one day. I, I don't think anytime soon though. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not one for the corporate structure. Uh, and you know, I think if they ever need me, you know,
1: I'll be there, but I'm not, (laughs) they don't need me yet. (laughs) Have you ever gotten into like, not like arguments, but kind of you kind of holding the Jordan legacy so close to you with your conversations with them? Does anything ever frustrate you with the collaboration process?
3: Yeah, sure. You know, there's, there's, you know, heated exchanges
1: and debates sometimes. Uh,
3: I have, it depends on who I'm talking to. I've got several different people at the brand that, uh, you know, that serve as my outlet to vent sometimes. But, uh, you know, ultimately for me, and I hate to say it this way, but you know, I I call my dad, you know, my dad is my dad. And so, you know, if I feel like things aren't going the right way or would go differently for a Virgil or a Travis or whoever, then I'm not afraid to say, yo pops, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, oftentimes when i come up with something that he's in the know about it anyway. And so if it, you know, starts to change along in the process, then I can go back and say, well, you know, dad liked this. So let's try to stick closer
0: to what the original intent was. <laughs> Jasmine mentioned in an interview that MJ threw her sketchers out. We all know Bow Wow suffered the same fate. Has he thrown out any of your sneakers ever? You don't know, no. Uh, know. He has not.
3: There's been some questionable shoes. He definitely asked me what I was rocking sometimes, you know, YFL <laughs> boots and, and other things like that, dress shoes. <laughs> but uh he's he's never actually thrown out a pair i think you know i always had the privilege of watching jeff before me and so early years of jeff's freshman sophomore year when i was still in seventh and eighth grade you know at loyola academy in illinois he did wear adidas i think or or new balance or it was it was some other brand it might i don't want to say adidas just because it's wealthy wealthy's gonna (laughs) hold that over me forever but uh you guys have to go and look in the archives because I don't remember which brand, but he did wear them. And I want to say my dad ended okay. up throwing them out. By the time I got there, I, we were wearing Jordans. And uh, so Jeff's junior year, my freshman year, we were, we were wearing Jordans. So I never had to wear any competing brands. So I, I'm thankful for that.
1: <laughs> you know, you have that close relationship with James Whitner through Trophy Room. Uh, like, what kind of advice has he given you through all of this? This is James Whitner from Social Status, right? Yes, sir.
3: Yeah, so James is, you know, obviously he's he's been around in the industry for a while and he, he kind of maneuvered his way through the recession in 08. And so one of the things I've just kind of been talking to him about is like, wh- what are the similarities to, you know, this economy to what was in 08? And, you know, what did he do to kind of stay afloat? And so, you know, we've had several different conversations, obviously, with uh, some of these new streetwear relationships that I've started to make. Uh, James was, you know, an integral part in kind of making some of those introductions. So um, he's really kind of advised me on, on a lot of that different cadence of the stuff of uh, streetwear. But with regards to the sneakers, you know, it's kind of something that I've been around and I know about. So we talk maybe once a week or uh, once every other week. And so we're in constant communication, just kind of trying to find our way. When was the last time you got to
2: see all your sneaker people? Because I kind of miss being like physically around the people that I know in the sneaker world. You know what I mean? Now that we're in the coronavirus times.
3: Man, it's been a while. I think the last time that I've seen like just the community was probably like Mm All-Star Weekend in Chicago. You know, it's crazy. I was traveling a lot, man, this year. And so I was wondering like if I had the virus or not. Because I went to Paris in January. I went to Chicago for All-Star. I went to New Orleans for Mardi Gras right after All-Star. I went to Portland. So, like, I, I was traveling, and thank God I never got sick. I didn't have any symptoms.
2: I want to know about Chicago All-Star. How huge was that for you? You grew up in Chicago. Your father means everything to the city of Chicago. Seeing the All-Star yeah. game in Chicago, seeing Jordan Brand come out with a huge shoe like the Off-White Jordan 5, how special was that, and what was that weekend like for you?
3: Yeah, All-Star in Chicago was was, was a moment, man. It was super impactful, you know, uh, again, just to kind of be in the city with my family and friends and, and to celebrate, you know— what that moment kind of meant as a culture in the city. And then, you know, obviously my dad's birthday party, He, you know, his birthday is February 17th, always around All-Star. There's a party on that Friday that coincides with his birthday party. And so that was amazing this year. They did it in like this warehouse. It was huge. Everybody was there. Uh, everybody's using me as a facilitator <laughs> to try to get into the VIP section because I, they don't have his number. They got my number. So I had to make sure my... Who, who is asking, Who's asking Who is asking you to get oh, in? Oh, man, everybody. I'm can't. I'm i not going <laughs> to put anybody on blast right now. But if you if you name them, they were hitting me, man. It was crazy. But uh, it got to a point one time where security was like, hey, Marcus, security looked at me and was like, Marcus, look, it's getting, <laughs> getting out of hand. I was like, all right, all right, all right. I said, I'm done. I'm done.
1: Has there ever been anyone that you were like starstruck, though, that you saw at the birthday party? That I was starstruck to see? Yeah. Um,
3: no, I wasn't. I wasn't really starstruck, but I had a conversation with Chris Tucker that was really, really funny. Um, but uh, no, I wasn't really starstruck. But it's it's funny to just to kind of see if you're in my dad section. It's interesting to see who comes through that area. Uh, one of the people I was looking for is that I've seen in the past was Stephen A. Smith. I didn't get a chance to see him this year.
0: Uh, so I wonder if he was there. I'm sure he was Marcus. Once I was at one of those parties in new Orleans for all-star weekend and I, I didn't have too much to drink, but I definitely had a few drinks in me and I asked (laughs) Charles Oakley for a photo and I had a hoodie on and I put like my hood on, like, you know, the music blasting, you have a few drinks in you. And like, I put my hood on to take a picture with Oakley and Oakley just took the hoodie and took the hood down and was like, "Take the hood off before you take the picture." So, <laughs>
3: so I'll tell you a funny story about me and Oka at uh, this Chicago All Star. Actually, so we're at our party that we did. Uh, my brother and, and my sister and I, we kind of threw a party with the Players Tribune, and it's you know it's a packed venue. It's mm-hmm. a packed night. This is Thursday All Star Weekend, and so we had a you know a, a table in our corner in the section, and uh, it was probably too small for all the family and friends that we had there. But in walks, I think it was Alan Iverson, maybe Trey Young with them. There was, you know, they're at the table next to us. And so the security guard uh, just keeps bumping through us, right? So it's getting so crowded that you can't really move. And so instead of walking through AI and Trey Young's area, he kept walking through our area, mm-hmm. probably not knowing who my family members are, whatever, blah, 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 not recognizing, us, right? And so it got to the point where he was, like, physically starting to move people. And so, I, you know, I, I don't want to give away the details <laughs> of the argument, but I, we got into <laughs> it and I exchanged word with the security guard and he told me, you know, you can't say anything to me unless you're so and so that was organizing the party. And so I said, So and so and I know the owners the owners of the venues. So right. I said, Hold on, stay right here. I'm gonna go grab the owner. And so I grab <laughs> the owner and uh, I go back to the security guard's not nowhere to be found, right? So I said, Listen, I'm not gonna walk you around the club with me tonight. Just, you know, just know that this happened. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go handle it. And so Charles Oakley is seeing all of this happen, right? And it's like my, my, my god uncle, he's like my dad's brother. The best. And so he sees that I'm, like, taking off to go talk to the security guard at the front of the door. And he just comes right behind me. And now I see Oak with me, so now I'm getting a little more amped up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we literally have, like, a five to ten minute just, like, knockdown conversation at, at, like, the entrance to this venue. And, uh, you know, after that, the guy apologized. He didn't know, you know, obviously what the situation was. But uh, he was super apologetic. Nice guy the rest mm-hmm. of the night. But I had to, you know, let him know, like, hey, bro, you could go both ways. Yeah. You know, have to keep coming our way, you know. Did you crack a bottle of some coral over his head? <laughs> no, <Nah, laughs> nah, but I had, tra- I had Charles Oakley with me. Yeah. And so he definitely was he was, my, he was my protector that night. And I asked Oak several times. I said, Oh, I'm not in the wrong, right? Unk, I'm not in the wrong. He's like, no, nah, man, you're completely right. So he had my back, man.
0: He's a good guy to have on your side for sure.
3: 100%.
2: It must be so funny too, like you said, the birthday party to be a fly on the wall and to watch because I'm sure everybody who goes up to Michael Jordan anybody who has the balls to go talk to Michael Jordan, they have something in their head that they want to say so I'm sure they have it all planned out so just to see
3: This is two separate nights, two separate parties Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Jordan party, yeah, it's like everybody's trying to get their five minutes to say what's up to my dad, trying to take a picture and stuff and so it's uh, you know, it's it creates a headache for the security when I'm constantly just bringing people in that they have told that they couldn't get in
1: Five minutes ago. what's it like when you have to shut someone down do you just not answer the call or it's, no it's easy it's just <laughs> no it's, it's not happening right now you know i've got no problem telling people no
3: um but oftentimes you know i do try to try to be nice and, and let people because i know it's, it means a lot to people and as long as it's a controlled environment he's, he's all good with it it's just that you know when he's either spending time with us or with his family or you know he knows that it's going to snowball into a situation that he's going to be signing autographs and taking pictures for hours and he kind of tries to to limit those interactions. But if you catch him on the one-on-one or, or in a spot where it's really tight, you know, he'll, he'll definitely take care of that.
0: Marcus, what other sneakers are you excited about right now? Every time on the podcast, it seems like Nike SB comes up and like the new dunks reemergence. What are you feeling besides Jordan's?
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, our Nike assortment is starting to cook up a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're starting to re-engage with the Nike side. And so we've got a, a collection of some dunks. We just dropped some Air Max 90s, actually sold our first pair of LeBron's. I was watching the comment section trying to see what people were going to say. There was a warm reaction. (laughs) You know, they sold out, so it was all good. I try to tell people, you know, we're all Nike family. We're all Nike gang. There's no democracy there. And so I was glad to see that, man. But uh, Nike and Team Jordan both have a lot in store for the culture. And so I'm excited to see, you know, on the Nike side what... uh, I know they got a lot of different collaborations that they're cooking up. I can't really say because they don't like when you, you know, tease stuff more than a week in advance. But there's some heat that's going to have some people... You know, whether it's queuing up on a sneakers drop or doing a raffle at your local boutique, you're definitely going to be
1: interacting. Would Trophy Room ever do a collaboration outside of Jordan? Absolutely. hundred percent. And we have.
3: I mean, we've done, we've done a bait collaboration. Uh, we've collaborated with, you know, Upper Deck, obviously, on a memorabilia piece. And so, uh, you know, we're always open to kind of collaborate with different brands.
0: Well, we know you have limited time. It's a very, very busy week and few weeks for your family. So we can't thank you enough for taking the time. And we'll definitely be looking out for what's next for Trophy Room. And Marcus, always a good time to chop it up. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Like I said, man, I keep y'all posted on that next pair. It's not a 10. You know where to find us, man. Thank you so much.
3: Always, man. You guys take it easy. Take care. Peace. Thank you, Marcus. Appreciate it, man.
0: Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is part of the Complex Podcast Network.